Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. If it feels a little warm to you, I, uh, that's my fault, but they'll fix it. So, Okay, Romans chapter 10. Some people are freezing, so sorry for them. You just got to know you come here very long. If you're cold natured, just bring you a parka or something with you. <laughs> uh, amen. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much. Praise God for your word. Oh, glory to God for your holy word. I thank you, Father, it's life for us. It's food for us. Father, we can build our very life on it. I mean, when it counts in life, your word won't fail. Father, we have learned some things about faith, but we, we need to know more. And I so thank you for unveiling to us more about living by faith. Your word says that without faith, it's impossible to please you. And oh, how we want to please you. Well, it's not hard to do. You're just asking us to trust you with everything. And so, Father, I thank you that you'll use me today. Think through my mind. Speak through my voice. Uh, I'm just going to step out of the way in my natural being. I know these people didn't come to get a man's opinion, but God to be fed and taught the Word of God. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you helped me. But on their side, they have a part to pull on the gift, to be open, to be receptive, to be responsive, that they might take in the Word and not let the devil steal that wonderful seed, and that God, as they act upon it, I thank you for the fruit and the change that is forthcoming. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Where's Sister Joy at? Did she step out for a minute? That's fine. Yeah, she's counting. Praise God. God's got something for me to minister to her in a little bit. All right, Romans chapter 10. And so we've been sort of using this of late as our foundation text. And uh, for our visitors and guests, we've been on uh, the subject of faith for a number of weeks. You could go to our podcast, all that stuff, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, wouldn't cost you nothing. Catch up with us and uh, praise God. But uh, talking about uh, the life of faith and learning to live by faith. Now, you get saved by faith, don't you? You can't get saved without faith. But, you know, you do realize that in the kingdom of God, the way God operates, the way we conduct our business with God is He's a faith God. He's a faith God. Uh, you know, down here in our country, so if we want to interact, do business, so much of the currency, the means of exchange, it's not like we, you know, well, let's trade refrigerators. You know, that's kind of difficult. <laughs> we have a currency, you know. And, uh, but the currency of heaven is faith. Faith is the hand that reaches out and takes possession of what grace has made available. By grace, we are saved through faith. So grace is the giving and the making available of salvation, but faith is the hand that reaches out and takes it. See, God's made some things available to the whole world. Salvation in His mind is already available to the whole world, isn't it? But until they individually reach out by faith and take it, salvation doesn't belong to them. Well, once we are born again, we have a vast, wonderful, better than you know, better than I know, inheritance. Because God's become our Father. You know, you're in Romans 10, stay there, but in Romans chapter 8, it says that we are not just heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ in God. In other words, what Jesus possesses, what He inherited of His Father, 
we are joint, that means co-equal heirs of God with Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus has a right mind? We have a right to a right mind. Right? How many of you know Jesus is not exalted to the Father's right hand and dealing with a headache? He's healed. He's healthy. He's strong. I mean, everything that Jesus purchased, everything, He didn't do it for Himself. He already had that. But He did it to bring us into it. Amen. But everything that grace has given, the empowerment, what we call the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that's been given, but faith must lay hold of it. Healing must be, divine protection must be laid hold of. My God shall supply, right? Financial prosperity must be laid hold of by faith. And see, if we don't bring faith, then we're going we're gonna to fall short in this life of what God has made available. Amen. And a faith is a very specific thing, and it operates uh, in a law. Again, Romans is an important book. In Romans chapter 3, don't turn there, but God calls faith the law of faith. It operates by, operates by a law. In other words, faith, is, faith doesn't work in America, but it won't work for Pakistani Christians or Indian Christians or British Christians. <laughs> it's not about that, right? Faith is a law. You know, the law of faith will work for a black person just as good as it'll work for a white person or a brown person or an Asian person. But you have to work the law of faith. Amen. And so here in Romans chapter... 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. Let's read that again. Paul said, But what saith it, referring back to a verse in the Old Testament, the word is nigh thee, or near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Where's the word supposed to be? Two places. In your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth, notice that, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you might be saved. Oh no, no. Oh, it says you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes. I know these are fundamental things, right? But that's where we miss it. It didn't say, for with the mind we believe. It didn't say, with your brain you believe. It said, with your heart. With your heart. Now, I, again, I'm a simple person. But, you know, how do I define that? Well, I just go right here. Right here. Not here. I believe from here. Now, the Bible gives plenty of description of the heart. In the New Testament, it's a reference to the spirit man. The real you, the divine part of you that's like God the most is God's a spirit, you're a spirit. You're an eternal spirit. I mean, if I had a zipper right here, and I just unzipped this body, then the real me would just step out. Right? Amen. And so, and it's eternal. We will never die. That's true for every person. Every person. Amen. Well, people need to know that. I heard a minister say last night, I'll trust his statistics, that every day on planet Earth, 155,000 people exit planet Earth every day. Every second of every day, two people go. They leave. 
And when we, when they, you, what you have to understand is that doesn't mean they, they're, they're, they just stop existing. Their body dies. See, they, the real them steps out, and they have to go somewhere. And there's two places you can go. You can go to heaven. You can go to hell. And you don't get to make any decisions at that point. It's in this life, in the flesh, that we make a decision to follow Jesus or not. For Christians to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. But if you physically die without a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, then you have met physical death being spiritually dead and now you are eternally dead. You go to the place of the dead, which is hell. But you exist. You're conscious. You're you. You have all your memory. You know it all. But you're going to be banished from everything good. Everything good. Amen. Well, anyway, that's a whole important teaching. But, uh, but it's with your spirit, amen, that we believe God, not with our brain. The best thing you could do with your brain when it comes to faith is get your brain to agree. Right? Listen, some of the greatest miracles I've ever received in my life happened, they came to pass while I was having this absolute fit with my head. This ain't ever going to work. How's that ever going to come? Oh, how the, my mind and the devil would help my mind to have visions of this church dissolving and during the building process and all the pressures and, and it just collapsing. And I had plenty of visions of failure. I could see myself filling that job application. Oh yeah, no, seriously, I mean, and yet some of the greatest miracles that happened to further us along in the plan of God happened while I was having the biggest fit with my head. But in here, if you look here, oh, that's, there's this, yeah, 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 God's got this, oh, I got you. Now if you get in your brain, and you want to say, am I, am I really saved? And you want to get in your brain about that? See, you could get yourself tangled up. But all you have to do is look here. If you're really born again, there's something, that assurance, that witness right there. The Holy Spirit in your spirit going, yeah, you're born again. Yeah, you belong to God. Oh, yeah. And that's why we say, well, explain it to me. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that I know. That's where all that comes from, right? That inward witness and conviction of the Spirit. Well, it's from that place that we believe God. In our heart. And see, it's so wonderful God set it up that way because my heart, my spirit can believe things my mind cannot grasp. Amen. Amen. Every time, thank God, a sickness, a pain has attacked my body, I have been able to believe God, what His Word says about healing right here in my heart, all the while going, how's that going to work? And remember that, and you got that x-ray, and yeah, He said something's wrong, and all of that going on. But in here, I just stayed true. I trusted that by His stripes I was healed. Amen. But it's not enough to have that inward conviction. This verse tells us the Word must be two places. Right? It must be in our heart, in our spirit, and it must come out of our mouth. I hope I hadn't lost anybody today, but there's just some interesting things about this. Do you know that you can actually, your mouth can actually speak from two sources? I don't want to confuse anybody, but like in the back, we have a lot of technology around here. And Mark has set up, Brother Mark has set up this switcher. 
And it's got HDMI cables going out to our television sets back there. And so on one setting, I get the Apple TV feed to the TVs. But you can hit a button and switch it, and it will draw data from a different source from our DVD player. Y'all get that, right? And all I do is switch it, and it will send the, the DVD signal to the TV instead of the Apple Internet stream to the TV. And I can just go back and forth. Hello. You know, out of your mouth, you can speak from two sources. You've done it. We've all done it. You ever said something from out of your heart, and you really meant it, but it wasn't real nice? But it just, it just came, it came right out of there. No, you just let them have it. Yeah, amen. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So you can speak from the data point, if you will, of your spirit, or you can talk out of your mind. Amen. And you've got to learn how to hook your tongue up with both of those sources. Every time I go back to that, because I don't use it very often, I almost have to have Brett or Brother Mark help me. How do I... How do I get this to switch over? I want a DVD today, not the Apple. you got to know how to do it. Amen. And it's not the easiest thing, especially for a baby Christian, to learn how to talk out of their heart instead of their head. But you can. We have a tremendous advantage as Spirit-filled Christians, those that have been baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, because guess where that tongue comes from? It doesn't come out of your head. Jesus said, out of, a, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So if you, if you speak in tongues, where's that coming from? It's not, see, and that's, that's why you can make your grocery list and pray in tongues at the same time, but you can't do that and talk out of your mind and think naturally either. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. A lot of things to learn. Amen. Glory to God. And so anyway, we see here the function of faith God, the Bible faith is going to be in my heart, in my heart. Now listen, I know I'm, maybe I convoluted that for I don't want to confuse anybody. It's, it's not that hard to talk out of your heart. Uh, you, you married folks, have you, have, you, have you said in the last 24 hours to your spouse, I love you? Did you mean it in your heart? Did you mean it? Well, then you see, you know how to talk out of your heart. Or were you just talking out of your head? Your heart didn't agree. If you do, you need to come see me. Right, for some marriage encouragement. So see, I hope that made that more simple for you. We talk out of our heart, our heart agrees. Amen. Hallelujah. So, verse 10, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now that's the phrase I really want to spend our time on today. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Whatever you're calling faith is not Bible faith if your mouth is not involved. Amen. Christianity has been called the great confession. Now, most of us that have been religiously brought up have been brought up to think about confession only in the negative. In the sense of we confess our faults, we confess our failures, we confess our sins. And confessing the negative side, that is a Bible thing. We should confess our sins to others, not to others, to, to the Lord. Amen. Forgive me on that one. And so 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, 
He, God, is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Amen. But see, that's only one side of confession. The largest part of what the Bible teaches about confession is over on the positive side. That's where you get the vast majority of what the Bible's attention is on the subject of confession. But sadly, the church has emphasized the minority part, the negative part. We're going we're to teach you this morning about the saying part of faith. The saying part of faith. Let's go over to Mark chapter 11. We were there last week. And we were looking at this really head-scratching story of where our personal Savior spoke to a tree. He talked to a tree. How odd is that? Well, when you get biblically, New Testamently taught and trained, not strange at all. You know when you're advancing in your Christian life in faith when people start to wonder about you a little bit. Right? And of course, you know uh, that people like us, people like me, churches like this, get greatly criticized. Oh, you're that blab it and grab it bunch. You're that, you know, claim it and whatever. Name it and claim it bunch. Well, I'm guilty. I really am. I'm guilty. The problem is where I learned it from and who I learned it from. They think they're making fun sort of a group, but they don't know unwittingly they are making fun of Jesus. So anyway... Uh, Of course, in verse 14 of Mark 11, it says, And Jesus... Well, we have to read verse 13 so you'll know. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. Talking about fruit, he was hungry. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. Now, if Jesus answered the fig tree, the fig tree had to say something to him. Now, that's kind of odd, isn't it? But I'm reading the Bible. Did that fig tree say something to Jesus? What do you think it said to him? Ain't getting any fruit from me today. Dr. Dufresne said it this way. You're not getting breakfast, lunch, or dinner (laughs) off of me. Now, if you think about it, do things talk to you? Oh, come on. When was the last time you pulled something out of your mailbox that talked to you? (laughs) Yeah. When was the last time you got a, a report that talked to you? How many of you faced a circumstance and it talked to you all night, all day, all night, all day? I remember with, uh, with the birth of our youngest daughter, Ryan. You, correct me if I get this story wrong. You know, they do a bunch of tests on the newborn and all that and everything looked good. And then they came back and said something concerning about her blood, right? No, when th- oh yeah, it was th- yeah. Three months later, we got this. We yeah, and with this particular thing, it's treatable if you do it right away. But they forgot to test her for it first. Is that right? Anyway, they did this test, but they didn't give us the result, and so it was past time where any known medicine would help her if she had it. And so we got this news that there is something medically wrong with our baby, our three-month-old. And what they want? They want us to come in. They want to test her again. So um, we went in and gave her the test, right? And then there was some time in between that and get the result. Well, can you... We're facing something that talked to us. Right? Thoughts will talk to you. Feelings will talk to you. Fear wants to talk to you. 
Well, we just, I don't remember what scripture we did or whatever, but we got on it. And we just declared over it. And we began to confess and believe the scripture, what the Bible says. Amen. But we had to stand there with our mind, you know, dealing with, you know, wrong thoughts, fear-filled thoughts. But I don't know if it was days or whatever. And the results came back and said, she clear bill of health, can't find trace of it, no problem. Thank God. Well, amen. Either goofy test or it was there and then it wasn't. Yeah. Praise God. But see, this is what you do. Uh, and, and so circumstances will talk to you like they talk to us. Notice Jesus answered a circumstance that talked to him. This is what faith does. Faith always has something to say. Did you get that? Faith always has something to say. And we're going to talk to you about what that should be. And so Jesus spoke negativity, that tree. He said, let no man eat fruit from you hereafter forever. That's verse 14. And the disciples heard it, so he said it out loud. Now, skip ahead 24 hours later, they're coming back the same road from Jerusalem, back the same way, and Peter, he's looking for it. And he, he looks at the tree, and sure enough, the tree is dead, dead, dead from the roots. And he goes, Jesus, look, the tree which you spoke negativity to is dead. And Jesus said in verse 22 of this chapter, have faith in God. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, simmer down. Simmer down, guys. This is just a deity trick. This is just a son of God thing. Notice that would have been a good time to get them to, you can't do this, don't try this at home. But he, he went exactly the other way, didn't he? In this context, looking at this entire thing that happened with the tree, he said... Have, in the Greek it says, have the God kind of faith. In other words, what you just saw, boys, was the God kind of faith in operation. What did that look like? Well, he believed what he spoke to the thing and what what he said came to pass. That is the God kind of faith. Jesus had faith in two places. He believed that what he said would come to pass. He said it out of his mouth and it came to pass. And he used this illustration and opportunity to say, guys, this is what I'm trying to get over to you. This is how I want you to operate in life. This is how faith works. In fact, he upped the ante. Let's read verse 23 before I give you the punchline on that. He went on and talked about the God kind of faith and how it operates. So in verse 23 it says, For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Did you see the word say? That means you have to say something. Say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Now, it's very important. Believe what? Well, I believe God. That's not what he said to believe. He said, Believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Now, is the word mountain in that verse? He upped the entity. Here he's, over here, he did this thing to a tree. But they're standing in the shadow of the Mount of Olives, I believe. And he says, if anyone will say to this mountain, what is Jesus trying to say? That thing, that tree's a little thing. The mountain's a big thing. What will faith work on? Little things to impossible things. 
from the annoyances of life, like a tree that's supposed to have fruit on it that doesn't, to the mountains in your life. Jesus said, all of them, from the small things to the big things, they are subject to the law of saying. They are subject to the law of faith. He's not talking about literally talking a mountain into the sea. But he means if, if a doctor tells you you've got incurable cancer, that's a mountain. And Jesus said, if someone will say to that cancer, be removed, and believes in their heart that what they said to the cancer will come to pass, Jesus said, you will have whatever you say. It's very important. Most people believe that they're going to have in life what God decides from heaven. Jesus said you're going to have in life what you say. We're not going to have in life what God wills. We're going to have what we say. I know that's kind of a big sacred cow for a lot of people, but you've got to get that. You're not going to have in life what God wants you to have. You're going to have in life what you say. Pastor, I can't accept that. God's sovereign. He can do anything He wants. He is sovereign, but He can't do anything, everything He wants. I know that I'm on fragile ground there, aren't I? I'm not really. If God is so sovereign, He can do anything He wants, why doesn't He make everyone get saved so we can go into the millennium tomorrow? If God is so sovereign, He can do anything He wants, why can't He make you pay your tithes? I'm going to go over here. Right? If God is so... Right? He has delegated... As a sovereign God, He is sovereign to the extreme. But in His sovereignty, sovereignty, He delegated authority to man for man. He gave us a free will. And He is not going to violate that. God desires, He says it over and over, it is not His will that anyone perish. So is something happening to people that is not God's will every day? Every day. Why is that? Because they have something to say about it. It is not God's will for anyone to be sick. Never. Never. But they are. Aren't they? It's not God's will for any of His children to get a divorce. But they do. Why? Why can't we just accept we have something to say about it. We have something to say about how our life turns out. Amen. That whole sovereignty teaching is wrong. It's extreme. There are, there's elements of truth to it. But they have taken it way over into the ditch. I had one guy tell me, I so believe in the sovereignty of God that I, I believe that I am just a hair above a programmed robot. Everything I do, God is orchestrating. And that guy's he's just whacked out. God bless him. He is way off the Bible. 
Are, is that what we are? What, what, what kind of God would that make him? I don't know that I'd serve him. Mm-mm. No, no, no. God's a good God. And he gave you the divine capacity to make choices. In the, in the hope, in the expectation that you would choose to want him. See, he wants a real relationship with you. Why did he need us when he had the angels? Because the angels don't provide him the kind of fellowship he wants. What makes my marriage sweet, right, is because I found this gal that wanted to bind herself in a lifelong commitment to me. Wow. And every day for this year, January 4th, 25 years... She has renewed that decision. I love you as a as an act of her will. Isn't that doesn't that make life sweet? That's a lot sweeter than going up to the girl vending machine. You know the little robot thing, and let's pick her out. You know, and pre-programmed responses, and and out she comes off the factory, and here we go. I mean, that's not. But see, that's that's why free moral will is a thing. But God had to allow, he had to tell you, he rolled a big, the dice, right? Because if you really have a free moral will, then guess what that means? There's the possibility that this human will reject him. Amen. And many have. Praise God. But see, this faith life, God has given us the wonderful ability. He's laid out all the promises, his will for our life. It's all right there in the Bible what he's made available. And our job is to take the blessings of God that He gave us in promise form and use our faith to bring them into the manifested form. And we do that by taking that individual promise and writing that promise on our heart and then speaking it out of our mouth. Y'all getting that? There is no Bible faith without confession. There is no Bible faith without confession. Confession is this right here. Speak. Believe what you say will come to pass, and you will have whatever you say. Amen? Let me give you some definitions. I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, Praise God of what the word confession means. If you look up the word confession, it literally means say the same thing as. That's what the Greek word means. Say the same thing as. So that's what the Christian is called to do. If you're going to live by faith, there's a whole lot you're not going to say. And Jesus is our example. You remember what He said? I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I hear, see my Father do. So confession means to say the same thing as who? As God. As God. Amen. So, if you flip that coin over, we are not supposed to say anything out of harmony with what He's already said. So, for instance, Psalm 107 verse 2, I believe, says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, if you're going to act on that, Brother Jerry, this, this week, what would you do? Are you redeemed? 
You're redeemed. So what are you going to do? Tell me, show me, what's that look like? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And don't be smart, Alex, say so. No. <laughs> what would you say? Uh, absolutely. So he's, he's gone to preaching on me. But what I'm trying to get out of him is, I am redeemed. I'm simple. He's smarter than I am. See, so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, you got to know, what am I redeemed from? I'm redeemed from sin. And according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Let me sum it up. Everything bad. Everything bad I'm redeemed from. You're redeemed from. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We have all kinds of examples in the Old Testament. What did God say through the psalmist? He said, let the weak say I am. But what do weak people do typically? Oh, I'm so weak. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, how come you're not at work today? I'm so weak. I'm so tired. I couldn't come to work. Oh, so you don't have any faith. That's what, you, that's what I would say. Now, there is time for rest and all that. But, you know, but Brother Hagin, as a 16-year-old boy, he had just spent 16 month on, uh, months on, as a paralytic on a bed. In depression days, he actually got a job after he got healed. He was so emaciated, 16 months, uh, paralyzed on a bed before he got healed. And then he gets up, and the only job he could find was pulling two-year-old peach trees for a, for a peach farmer. Two-year-old tree, that's good size. It's not a little sapling. They said it would typically take two grown men. They didn't have the equipment to use. Two grown men to reach down and pull that tree out. Oh, he said he felt he's just out of breath just walking from the bed to the breakfast table. But he would say, the Lord is the strength of my life. He is my portion forever. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 16-year-old kid. Baptist. No. Yeah. Amen. And he said he would just feel so weak and he'd get down and sometimes it would be the first tree. He thought he'd going to fall over. But he said always what, Brother Scott? But by the second tree, by the second or third tree, the power of God would hit him. And he would work like an animal all day long. And then there was this big guy on the crew. And he would bail her out. When all of y'all quit and are gone, I'll, be, I'll still be here. And here's puny old little string bean, Kenneth E. Hagin. And he said, no, I'll still be here. The Lord is the strength of my life. He is my portion forever. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And one day, in the heat, that big guy fell out. But Brother Hagin was still there. Dollar a day. All day from sun up to sundown. Yo, we got a bunch of wimps out here today, huh? But listen, my, what's my point? He had faith. Faith in the Word. And the Bible says that the weak should say something. Oh, I'm so weak. I don't understand. I'm so tired. See, don't say that. But I am. But do you want to be? No, you don't want to be. So stop talking what you am. Jesus didn't stand there at the tree, did He? He'd go, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm so frustrated. Oh, I'm so ticked off. Wasted all this time walking over here to get this fruit. That's not what He did. That's what a lot of us would do. Oh, you piece of junk. Kick your car. I can't ever get ahead. 
We've never had anything. Nothing ever works right for us. I'm dumb as a rock. I mean, whatever people are saying, it's terrible. Let the weak say, I am strong. Then, what did he go on and say? Let the poor say, I am so poor, I don't have two nickels to rub together. I don't, I'm so poor, I don't, I don't have enough money to pay attention. I am so... <laughs> And then people wonder, how come God won't bless me? How come God's been better to other people than He has been me? He can't help you. You're working the law of faith. You're just working it in the wrong direction. He said, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Woo! Praise God. What is confession? Confession is say the same thing as God has said. And that's going to require you and I to know what God has said. That's why we come to church. That's why we're disciples of Christ. That's why we read our Bible. Read your chapter every day. Uh, amen. Set a goal. Don't let a day go by. Read the Bible. And don't start in Job. My goodness, don't start in Job. Praise God. Job is good, but you need, you need to get your mind renewed a little bit before you read Job. I don't know how many new Christians I find out they're brand new Christians and the devil's led them right to Job. I mean, that's what they read first. No, read Ephesians. Read Colossians. Read Philippians. Read First and Second Corinthians. That's where we are today. Those are letters written by the Holy Ghost to us. To us as Christians in this era. Amen. The word confession also means... Can you give me five more minutes maybe? Alright. The word confession means to declare. To declare. Now, we'll have you go to Job. You want to find something good in Job? Let's go there. Praise God. Job chapter 23. Oh, there's a lot of good stuff in Job, but you got to get a brain first before you. And I mean, I don't, I mean a Bible brain. You know what I mean. I'm kind of a kidder, so don't get touchy. I don't. I pray for touchy people. I don't get touchy people. I'm not willing to walk on eggshells around you. Just chill out and have a good time. All right. All right. Praise God. We run off all the touchy people anyway. <laughs> Amen. They can take about two or three services of me and then they're out of here. Look at Job 23, verse 27. Job, no, 22. Scott, I gave you the wrong chapter. Hey, y'all get up here and do this. Job 22, my apologies, Job 22. That's the third mistake I've made this year. Job twenty two twenty uh, seven. Thou shalt make your prayer unto him; he shall hear you, and you shall pay your vows. You shall also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. What a verse! You shall decree a thing. And it will be established unto you. That's Job twenty two twenty eight. Sorry. God is not the author of confusion. That's me. Job twenty two twenty eight. You shall declare a thing, and it shall be established unto you. 
Listen, time's running out. Our words of faith create our reality. You know, your life today and mine, your, my life today, is the sum of all the words I said yesterday. My life today, amen, is the sum of all that I said yesterday. And my life and my tomorrow will be the sum of everything I say today. See, this is how God... How did God bring about the universe? He said, didn't He? And do you know science has confirmed it? You know, for years they've been trying to break down matter to the smallest particle they can find. They just keep dividing. Divide a watermelon, okay, divide it again. Divide again, how small can we get? They've done that with matter. And they thought the atom was the smallest. You split that atom, it goes boom, right? <laughs> but they have actually found there's something even smaller. Something even smaller. You know, and you got the protons, neutrons, all that. There's something smaller. Science, scientists call it the quark. I didn't make that up. Q-U-A-R-K. I believe is how you spell it, the quark. And the, the, the thing is so infinitesimally small. It's the smallest known today. It's the smallest known form of matter to the scientific community. And do you know what they believe it is made of? A quark is a bundle of sound waves. That's what a quark is. And so thousands of years ago, the author of Genesis said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Out of His divine being, He spoke words and the sound waves began to bundle together. They formed electrons, protons, neutrons. The atoms began to bundle together according to His design to, divine design to form molecules. And the molecules bonded together in certain forms to create matter that you can see. The planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, the chair, the fabric, the air, the everything. It's all made out of sound waves. Come on. That fig tree had an ear to hear. Why? Because when you break down the tree to its most fundamental form, it's a sound wave. Every cell of your being Hears you. And so if you get into the terrible habit of saying, I'm going to die young, I'll never reach X amount, all your cells hear you say that. I'll close with a story. Brother Hagin said as a pastor, he was called to the bedside. It was a brother of a pastor, I believe. And he had fallen into a coma and was given up for death. They called Brother Hagin to come and minister. And when he went to pray for the young man, the Lord said, do not pray for him. Do not pray for him. He said, why, Father? He's, he's 40. He's barely 40. Why? He said, he's going to die. Why is he going to die? He said, because certain laws have been set in motion that cannot be reversed at this time. 
And so he didn't pray for him, and he walked out, and the brother standing out here, and he knew, he knew something was up. And so he said something to the effect, what, what did God say? He said, well, you're, he's going to die. He's going to go on to be with the Lord. I, I, he, he forbid me to pray for him. And then Brother Hagin said, he said something interesting to me. He said, I don't understand. He said, God said to me that uh, your brother has set laws in motion long ago that uh, cannot be changed, cannot be reversed at this time. You know what that means? He goes, oh, I know, absolutely. We said, tell me about it. He said, all growing up, all, I don't know the brother's name, let's call him Johnny. All growing up, Johnny said, I'll never see 40. He'd say it over and over and over and over again. I'll never make 40. I'll never live to be 40. And as he approached his 40th birthday, for no apparent reason, his body began to break down and he fell into a coma. And even if the guy wanted to change it, how come Brother Hagen can't change it? Because Brother Hagen's words cannot undo his words. Because remember what I said last week? Whose words carry the most weight in our life? Our words. Because he's in a coma, he can't be reached. And see, what God was saying is, in the law, see, he worked the law. And he, see, he didn't just say it one time. He said it over and over and over and over again. And he believed it in his heart. And the guy died at 40. Faith is a law, and it works by speaking what you believe in your heart. People totally ignorant of that law are working it. You know, the business community, they figured some stuff out. They call it positive affirmation, positive confession. You go to a business leadership success seminar, and they'll say, stand in front of your mirror and say, I'm a success. I, I, am, a, I, I am a winner. People like me. Remember the old Saturday Night Live satire? I'm a nice guy. People like me. You know, whatever that guy, right? Remember that? And, uh, and I'm a success. I am victorious. I am an inv- you know. But they're, they've picked up on a law that's ancient. And it's working for every person. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Did you get anything out of that today? Well, stand upon your feet, and I have one thing the Holy Ghost keeps urging me.